Hi, my name is Joshua Potter, and I'm the lead pastor here at Sioux City First Church. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for taking time to listen to our message this week. I pray that you find it meaningful and life-giving. As you listen, make sure that you take some time to allow God to speak to you and, and just to encourage your heart. We hope to see you soon in person, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. We are seeing some interesting things. This weather that we've been having, no snow. Is anybody happy that we're not having snow? I know there are some of you in here that you, you really, really love snow. Does anybody in here really love snow being on the ground? Okay, a few of you. Okay. All right. I like snow uh, kind of on the grass and stuff, not on the roads, but that's kind of hard to do. Um, but we have been lucky. I think this has been one of the craziest years of, of lack of snow, but I'm not super mad about it. Um, well, we started a new series last week on family, and, and really this series is called It Starts at Home, and there are so many foundational principles and things that start in the home, and we've talked about how the home is the most influential place on earth when it comes to you, maybe your spouse, your kids, your family, and it's such an important part of each one of our lives. Now, uh, most of you in here, there are some of you that maybe didn't, but most of you in here grew up having a TV in your home, and uh, you probably saw some TV families or maybe some some uh, families from movies, some fictional families. And I don't know about you, but there were a couple times where I'm like, I think it'd be really cool to live in that family or to be a part of that family. I don't know what it was. When I was growing up, I uh, was kind of a teenager in the 90s, and I loved the show Saved by the Bell. And I always wanted to be Zach Morris's brother because he was the coolest guy. He was dating Kelly Kapowski, and, and I just and they were rich. So I was thinking that would just be an awesome house to grow up in. But when I was growing up as a little bit more, when I was a littler, I remember watching the show Leave It to Beaver. Did anybody in here watch the show Leave It to Beaver? Okay, black, and we watched black and white, um, and we weren't allowed to watch the show Married with Children, okay? <laughs> we were a Leave It to Beaver family, not a uh, Married with Children family. Uh, there were some risque things on there, and, and TV now to think about some of you in here, what has happened in TV and what they show on TV from 1980 even to now is so drastically different in what we see happening with the family. And it's really played out in movies. It's played out in Hollywood. It's played out all over. And so we see all of these things. Now we see uh, lots of different expressions of what a family may look like, a really popular show in the last Several years, last decade maybe, Modern Family was a real, just kind of a newer picture of what the family looks like in our, in our day and in our culture. But uh, maybe you wanted to belong to one of those families, or maybe you found yourself identifying with one of the characters in those TV shows. My brother growing up, he would have been Eddie Haskell of Leave it to Beaver. He was kind of one of those kind of characters. There was a show that me and Melissa used to watch, and, and uh, there was a guy in the show, and I would always say, whenever we would see something happen on the show, I would always say, I'm the Adam of my family. Okay, like I identified with him, and I, I would, where my brother or sister might have been a different character on the show. But it's funny how we identify with maybe characters in a movie or different families. Maybe you'd think, my family was so dysfunctional growing up, we look like this family on TV. Um, but family has been a part of... Uh, it's, it's a part of every one of our lives and what it looks like. Uh, we all have different family experiences, and uh, we all have different triggers in our families. 
We all have those areas of conflict in our families. Today we're going to be talking about conflict. And I know no one in here ever has conflict, but we know people who have conflict in their families. So this message will help those of you who know people who have conflict in their families. But we all have those trigger things in our families, don't we? Maybe it's the expectations that your family has. Maybe when it comes to parents, the expectations we have on our children. Maybe as spouses, the expectations you have on each other, parents, kids, even kids have expectations on their parents, but but our relationships, they all have expectations. Another trigger point for us would be attention. I'm sure none of you ever deal with this, but uh, I was the youngest in my family. I was the baby of the family, so I never had a problem with this, but my brother and sister didn't get as much attention as they needed, apparently. But some people are mad or sad because, well, I don't get as much attention as so-and-so gets. You spend more time with this person, okay? It might be you, you know, as spouse, you may say, you you care more more about the kids than you care about me. You care more about work than you care about me. Attention is a a big thing and a big trigger point for families these days. Another one is in-laws. In-laws can be a trigger point. Where are we going to spend Christmas this year? Where are we spending Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, all these different things? I don't want to go there for that holiday because this, and we have all these different triggers there. Communication is a big trigger point in families, a, a lack of communication. Some of you are like, you don't communicate enough. Others are like, you communicate too much. Communication is always a big issue or trigger point. Another one would be trust. Trust is an issue uh, between maybe couples or maybe your children. Maybe they've done something where they didn't feel like your parents couldn't trust you with something. I remember, once again, I was the youngest and I was the favorite in my family. And so my parents trusted me. I felt like they trusted me more than they did my brother and sister. But trust can be a big trigger point in family. Another big trigger point in family is, is money. Money can be an issue, whether it be with with uh, a husband or a wife or with parents or with kids. Uh, the finances can be a big issue at home, and, and all of us have to deal with that. All of us have financial situations happening. You know, well, you're spending money, and that's my money, and I made that money, and that's my spending money, and all those different things that can happen within our family. I'm going to share a couple quick thoughts with you before we jump into the scripture, and the first thought is this. The climate of our relationships, talking about conflict, the the climate of your relationships improves when conflict is resolved, not ignored. I'm going to ask you a question today, and I fall in this category, and my wife would amen this way too much, and I'm not saying this is right, wrong, or indifferent, but I grew up in a sweep-it-under-the-rug kind of family. I grew up in a home where it's like, let's just pretend that nothing happened, (laughs) everything's okay, and we're just going to go on about our days. And like I said, all of us grew up in very different families. And so my parents, if you met my parents ever, my parents are very non-confrontational. They don't like to deal with conflict. They would rather just pretend it doesn't happen or just not worry about it, okay? It skipped a generation on my sister, and then, uh, and then from then on, it, it trickled down a little bit to us. My sister has no problem with conflict or handling conflict. And there are other people who they grew up in a home where conflict was so a part of their growing up, where conflict is just natural to them. They actually thrive in conflict. They, they create conflict because they feel like that's just part of what it's supposed to be at home. Another thought is this. When conflict is handled in a healthy way, 
Conflict is actually a relationship builder. When we have conflict in our lives, and here's the reality. Every one of us has conflict, okay? If you are married, if you have kids, if you have family, if you have a mom and dad or brother or sister, if you have any of these people, all of us have conflict in our lives. But when we handle it in the right way and in, a, in, in the best way possible, it can actually help strengthen our relationship. It can deepen our relationship. I want you, if you have a Bible, to turn to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to be in uh, verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation this morning. It's like the way it, it says it today. It says this. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. I love those words. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck like a necklace. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and with people, and you will earn a good reputation. And one of the things about family that really is important is loyalty, loyalty to one another, loyalty in the marriage relationship, loyalty with parents standing by each other, sticking up for one another. And, and I want to just say this, loyalty is really, really important, but we have to be careful with just kind of blind loyalty. Just, um, in other words, let me say it this way. You can still be loyal to someone, but if they do something wrong, it's okay to let them know they did something wrong. Loyalty has truth involved in it. There's a lot of people who loyalty is, my kid's the best person on the planet and they never do anything wrong. That's blind loyalty. And we see this, we see this in families. I'd say another good example of this is in politics. There are people who, I'm going to support my candidate no matter how terrible they are, no matter what they do, I'm going to support them. I'm going to be loyal to that candidate. I want to encourage you, loyalty is when someone does something right, you commend them for doing something right. If someone does something wrong, you call them out for the wrong that they do. That's true loyalty. That's, that's being honest. That's being, uh, that's being loyal to another person. It says, never let loyalty and never let kindness leave you. Kindness. Imagine how different this world would be if we operated out of more kindness in our lives. So, so as we think about our families, as you think about conflict within your family, think about that this morning. Never let loyalty and never let kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Okay? Maybe have a, a picture up at your house. Maybe have something somewhere that reminds you of the importance of loyalty and kindness to one another. Now, since conflict is such a part of our normal lives and it's part of our family lives, it's part of our home life, it's good that we just think about some of the essentials of conflict. It's going to happen one way or another. So here are some conflict essentials that we all need to be thinking about when we have conflict in our family. The first one is this, trust. When it comes to conflict in our family, we have to have trust. Um, I, I know some of you have heard this before, whether it have been through Pastor Tom Jacobs or whether it be through us or people who you know who have associated he used to always say, believe the best in people first. Believe the best in people. So when something happens or when something happens in your life, believe the best in people. Okay? Another way to say that is trust before suspicion. We should be willing to trust people before we suspect that they're lying to us. Trust before suspicion. 
Okay, when someone tells you something, ask yourself this question. Am I more likely to accuse somebody or am I more likely to get to the truth? Am I more, am I more apt to look for the facts behind what's happening? Am I more accusatory to start off with? Or am I more, I'm going to dig for the truth in this. So you just have to find that out in your own, think about that in your own uh, situation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this is an interesting chapter because it's, it's, it's trapped in between two. It's trapped in between 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And this is really talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how they may work in a church and, and unity. And, and we see this a lot in, in weddings, this, this verse. But 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's dealing with a lot of division and a lot of uh, just, I don't know, disarray, or for, I guess, a better word. But it, it says this, love always trust. He's talking about the importance of love and having love, whether it be with the giftings and how they work in the church. But so many of these things are transferable to our lives and to our our family. So this is one of those transferable principles. Love always trusts. When we love another person, we want to be able to trust them. You want to be able to trust your spouse. You want to be able to trust your family. Okay. Another thing, another essential when it comes to conflict is truth. Truth is very, very important, okay? No one in this room likes to be lied to, okay? And a lot of conflict that happens in our families happens, why? Because someone has to, because someone lies about something. If you have a Bible, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. You can look at the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 15, once again, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, mature of him who is the head, that is Christ. But instead, speaking the truth in love, uh, these are people who there was division, there was conflict, and this is within the church world, but once again, it's a transferable uh, concept or principle. Speaking the truth in love. Said it before, you've probably heard this before. The truth hurts, doesn't it? The truth hurts. The truth is a very hard pill to swallow, but the truth is necessary. And when it comes to truth, we may tell people the truth, and the truth, how we tell people the truth really can be impactful on how people take the truth. If you go talk to someone and you just blast them and you say, well, it's the truth. You may be right. It may be factually true. But the way that you say it is really, really important. And so that's why he says truth, speaking the truth in love. I heard this a long time ago and it's just, I just feel like it's a great statement. It's that the truth has no agenda. When something's true, it's true. It's true in America. It's true in China. It's true. It doesn't matter if a a certain politician says it on one side or the other. The truth is truth no matter what. Truth is essential when it comes to conflict. We should want to get to the truth. Okay? Another one which I kind of just alluded to is this tone. Tone is very important when you have conflict in the home. Tone can actually dictate the conversation. Tomorrow morning, if I come into the church and I go into Pastor Tyler's office and says, get to my office, we need to have a talk. 
Versus if I go into his office and say, hey, when you get some time, I need you to come to my office. We need to talk about something. Tone. Have you ever, have you ever had a conversation with someone? You get home from work. We need to talk. Oh, yes. Let's go to the bedroom. This sounds like it's going to be fun. Like, nobody has that. That's, that's tone. We need to consider tone when we have conversations. I love what Proverbs chapter 15, verse number one says. This is the amplified version. It says, a soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger. The tone with which we say things, the, the way we say it, the facial expression, the body language, all of that plays into the tone that we have and how we talk to people. That's why I believe... <laughs> Social media is like a breeding ground for conflict because we can't hear tone. We can't, we can't really see the, 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 the way that someone may be saying something. I recently, I was trying to empathize with someone on social media and they said something and they were, they were struggling with what they were going through and I was trying to empathize with them and, and try to reaffirm what they were saying and trying to just help them think about it. And because you can't read tone online a lot of times, and this person came back at me, you have no idea what I'm going through. And how dare you try to compare yourself to me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I was trying to <laughs> encourage you. I was trying to be empathetic to what you're going through, but we cannot, we can't read tone in a lot of things, Okay. Even if someone used capital letters on Facebook or whatever it may be, we know some of the tone we can't read it over email, over text. If you ever send a text to someone, it's hard to read tone in those things. But tone is really, really important when it comes to communication. Once again, Ephesians 4, verse 15, it says, speaking the truth in love. How you say it matters. The tone with which you say things is really, really important. Here's another essential when it comes to conflict. Timing. Timing when it comes to conflict. Okay? Some of you, when it comes to conflict, you, when, when it's the heat of the moment, you like to just get it over with. And so you're just going to go at the person and you're just going to say your piece and everything that you need to say. Well, if you've caught them off guard or they're not really planning for that, um, there are other people like me. I'm a slow processor, so when I'm, I'm thinking about something a lot of times. And so when someone comes at me and they're, they're trying to say something to me and I'm trying to think about what's happening, I'm trying to figure out what's happening in my head, timing is really, really important. Even though you may want to say it and get it over with, that doesn't mean the other person does. So maybe think about a time that, you know, maybe settle in. A lot of conflict would never be conflict if we just waited for things to die down for a couple days. Settle your heart before you go at someone. So when you're angry about something, probably not the best time to resolve conflict. Okay, just step back and, okay, why does this make me so angry? Why am I so angry? And there are things that make us angry, but think about the timing of what you're saying timing is important okay let's just imagine you went out to eat with a coworker one day and they didn't have money or whatever and you went uh went out to eat you covered the lunch it was 10 or 12 dollars whatever and then a few weeks later you've texted them or maybe you've seen them they're like oh yeah i forgot to get you back i'll get you back i'll pay you back all those sorts of things 
And then they come in after a really bad weekend. They got in a huge fight with their spouse. They're talking about divorce and they're just saying, man, my weekend was terrible. It's probably not a good time to say, so about that $12. (laughs) When am I going to get paid back? Okay. Timing of things is really, really important. Okay. Here's just, I think, some good wisdom. Right before bed is not a good time for conflict. If you're mad about something, probably don't wait until you both lay down in bed and say, oh, hey, remember what happened earlier? We need to talk about that. It's just never conflict before bed. or even And, and conflict or even sometimes even like some, some family challenges you may be experiencing. You may be just going through something as a family and... It gets brought up before bed. and it's just, So once again, just in our conversations, we need to think about timing. Okay, so those are just some of the essential, some things we need to be thinking about when conflict happens because it's going to happen. Here's another one that I think is really, really important. There are some things in your life, there are problems uh, that need to be resolved, and then there are, are conflicts and tensions that you just have to manage. Some things can be done and over with, and other things, they're just a part of life now. Okay, so... We'll call the resolving conflict or managing some of the tensions in life. I remember several years ago, uh, ministry leadership, Tom Jacobs, as a superintendent, used to always say that. Say there's a big difference between resolving conflict and managing the tension. So here's a couple of thoughts when it comes to managing conflict, or sorry, resolving conflict or managing the tensions of life that are just going to be there, okay? Here's the first thing. Die on the right hills, how many times have you gotten in an argument with some, someone about something that really had no real long-term effect? We die on the wrong hills. We get in these superheated arguments about things. And for lack of better words, they're just stupid things that, we go, that we're willing to just go all in on things that are just stupid sometimes. Okay, I'm a sports fan. Okay, sports fans are notorious for this. We go all in on something, and oh, this is and this is well in 1972 and in 1989, and you know all these different things. We go all in on these things. We die on the wrong hills. We argue about things that that really are so meaningless. And there are times in our relationships we die on the wrong hills. Really. I guess a better way to say that is you can be right while being wrong. Now, some of you are like, no, that's not, that's not true. That's not fact. You can't do that. Okay, let me say it this way. You can be factually correct, but you can go about things in a wrong way. And we do that so often as, well, here's what happened, and this is what happened on this specific day, and at this specific time, and here's exactly what you said, and but we missed the point of everything that was going around at that time, okay? So die on the, on the right hills, the things that are really, really important, on the things that are gonna have a long-term impact, okay? James 1, verse number five, we need wisdom, and so it says this. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We need wisdom when it comes to what, how do I need to solve this or how do I need to manage this tension? Some of you can think, if you're married in this room, almost every married couple that I know 
has something that's happened in their relationship that keeps coming up in their relationship over and over and over and over. And 20 years later, they're still dealing with some of the same thing. They're dealing with the same. It's a tension to manage. That's just part of the relationship. Okay? Another thought around, around resolving conflict or managing tension is protecting the relationship. We need to work hard when it comes to conflict to protect the relationship. Ephesians 4, verse number 2, it says this, be completely, be holy with everything that you are. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humility and conflict is really, really important. I recently had a conversation with a gentleman and he was like, I'm not sure what I should do in this situation. Should I respond or should I not respond to that? Well, this was going to be one of those things. It didn't matter how he responded. The person wasn't going to change. And so that's a, that's a, that, that was something I'm like, don't even get involved. Like there are sometimes we look for, we, we invite conflict in when we don't even need it. We need to protect the relationships that we do have. Okay. So think about it this way. The relationship should be the priority, not the conflict. Some of us get that turned around. Conflict seems to be the priority rather than the relationship. But always be thinking about this. This is friendship. This is home life. Relationship should be the priority, not the conflict. So many of us focus on what we disagree on rather than what we have in common. And so think about the relationship and how you do that. So uh, I think about it this way. Um, I have family members that I disagree with on things. And I can always fight and argue with them about those things. Or I can, and if it, what I choose to do usually is not just necessarily overlook those things, but there are times where the way that I manage that tension is we don't wade into some of those things. When I'm around them, they're, you know, just another easy thing. There are some people in your family you shouldn't have political discussions with. It's not going to go anywhere in a healthy way. Okay, you just have to understand. So protect the relationship. I care more about you than who you voted for last election. And yes, who people vote for is important, but relationship is more important than the conflict that you may have with them. So here's a good thing for you to be thinking about. Are you a person who you ask more questions or you make more statements? Think about that. When it comes to some of the conflict that you have, are you a person who asks more questions? Hey, why did you get there? How do you, why do you believe that? That doesn't make any sense to me. Or, you know, how did you come to that conclusion? Or why do you believe that that is true? Rather than, here's what I believe, and it's right. A lot of people are just, and, and this is true, I think, of the Christian culture, is we make more statements because maybe the Bible says something, and it is true. We, we tend to make more statements than ask more questions. So I want you to think about it this way. Think more like a chaplain than an evangelist. So here, here's what I mean by that. When I, I was a chaplain for hospice, and when I had patients who maybe were of a different faith, my job wasn't to make them a Christian or to share my Christian faith with them. My job as a chaplain was to help point them toward their faith. And I know 
for some people that creates a little bit of a, a tension, but what happened actually was that it allowed me to have conversations with several different people, whether it was the person dying or their family members who were there who have a different faith than I, I have. And so uh, I could go into the room knowing, hey, my job isn't to convert them, but I can tell them what I believe about heaven and hell. I can tell them as we have dialogue and conversation, but my job was to point them to their, their faith. So I would have to ask a lot of questions. Why is your faith so important to you? Why do you believe that about your faith? Or how, how did you come to believe that was true rather than this was true? Okay, so when it comes to, we have to think about in conflict, how do I protect this relationship? These are in no particular order, and this one would, should probably be first. The next one is, is pray. When it comes to a, a, a problem to, to resolve or a conflict to resolve or a tension to manage, prayer is always really, really important. Discernment. We can never undervalue the importance of prayer. Sometimes you'll be in a disagreement with someone or have conflict with someone and you need to just stop and pray about it rather than continue the conflict. Just stop in the moment or say, hey, let's pray together. I mean, imagine you're having a conflict and it hasn't gotten completely out of proportion at that point in time if you just stopped and said, hey, let's just stop. Let's just take a moment to pray together. might be able to resolve some of the problems. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells people, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Another translation says, pray for those who mistreat you. Every one of you is going to be mistreated. You've probably been mistreated five times already today by somebody. We're going to be mistreated, but we're supposed to pray for those people, especially the people that we're in conflict with. One of the best ways to keep your heart in the right place during conflict is to pray for the person that you are having conflict with. Ephesians 4 says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. It's going to make every effort. When we see scripture, one of the things we see Jesus affirm, one of the things we see Paul affirm all throughout the New Testament is unity, bringing people together. Who likes to divide people? It's not Jesus, it's the devil. The devil wants you to be divided. He wants you and your wife to fight all the time. He wants you and your kids to be divided. He, the devil thrives on those things, whatever he can do to make you fight. So the next time you're fighting with your spouse or with your kids, might be a good thing just to remember, hey, the enemy might be behind what's happening right now. There, more than likely, there's something spiritual happening this is one of my favorite verses in Romans chapter 12, verse number 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's so much wisdom right there. If it's possible, if there's any way of making it work at all, as long as it depends on you. So much of, of conflict is us focusing on what the other person has done. And if we can look within ourselves and say, okay, what's my part in this? What's my responsibility? How can I work towards peace in this? So here's a few practical points as we start to wind down this morning. Here's just a few things that I want us to think about as we get ready to leave. The first one is this. Trust before suspicion. Believe the best in the other person. It's okay to trust. Um, and if trust is broken with another person, our heart should be, 
what can I do to repair what's been broken? If trust has been broken with you and a spouse, what can you do to repair that trust? If spouse, or sorry, if, if trust has been broken with you and your children, what can you do to repair that trust? Trust before suspicion. The next one is this. Tell the truth. When it comes to family, don't lie to one another. Be honest with one another. Tell the truth. The next one, tone matters. The way you say things, how you come across, the, the facial expressions you have, okay? Some of, some of us, um, some, some of us need to tell our face that we're not mad all the time. Have you ever met people and they just have a growly look on their face all the time? Okay? Our facial expressions matter, and, and especially when we're going to talk to someone about something. The tone, our expressions, all that stuff is, is important. And the other, the last thing is this, timing is everything. Okay? Sometimes we pick fights with our spouses at the wrong times. Sometimes we say things at the wrong times. Okay? This wasn't a, a, a spouse issue, but I'll, I'll never forget. A great guy, a wonderful guy, right before church one Sunday. Church was literally going to start in a minute. There was a minute countdown, and this wasn't here. It was at a former church. And a gentleman caught me at the front door, and he brought up an area of conflict he had. And he's like, I don't think we should be doing this. And he, he kind of came at me with something right before church started. And I was thinking to myself, he was a great guy and, and all that stuff. And I was like, timing is important, Okay. When your spouse is leaving for work in the morning, that's not a good time to start a fight, okay? Or like I said, right before bed timing, think about that stuff, okay? Okay, let's work to resolve conflict, not ignore it. Once again, some people, we all handle conflict in different ways. Some of you in here are like, let's get it over and done with, let's yell at each other and be done. Others of you are like, let's pretend it hasn't happened for a week and then we can resolve it. Maybe find some ways to resolve, hey, I know you don't want to talk about this right now, but by the end of the night, we're going to talk about it. Or by tomorrow, we need to talk about it. Okay? Work to resolve the conflict. I don't know what you found in your marriage or what you found in raising kids. It's never good to pour gas on the fire. Okay? When there's conflict, that's not a good time to just bring up other things and, and do like handle what needs to be handled in that moment. So here's a couple things I want us to, to be praying about today. Are there any issues that you need to resolve? It could be with a spouse, or it could be with kids, or it could be with your family that you're thinking about. Are there areas that need to be resolved? So here's a couple questions I want us to ask before we leave when we talk about conflict. Here's the first question. Do you need to apologize to anyone? It could be your parent. It could be a spouse. It could be to your children. It could be to an in-law. Is there anyone in your life that you need to apologize to? Something's happened. There's been a, a breaking, a fracturing in your relationship. And once again, as far as it depends on you, is there an apology that you need to make to help bridge that gap or to, to, to help heal that, that conflict? The next question, do you need to forgive anyone? I think this is one of the bigger questions that we just struggle with in life. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Is there a spouse? Is there uh, a family member that you need to forgive? Unforgiveness is just a relationship killer. I want to encourage you. 
here's the biggest excuse that I hear to forgiveness. Why would I forgive them if they haven't apologized to me? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In a perfect world, everyone apologizes. But in a perfect world, nobody hurts anybody. And so, you may have to take the first step of forgiving people before they, before they apologize. Um, but if you do that and how you communicate that, once again, tone is going to matter. I think I've shared this before. I got a message from a lady in our former church one time, and she's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know I forgave you. And I'm like, of what? This is like seven years later. I'm like, what happened? Like, what did I do? Like, we could have brought this up. <laughs> like, thank you. Um, you know, and, and so it provided an opportunity for some dialogue of, hey, tell me what happened here. And then here's another one that I think is just a big challenge for some people, and it's this. It's, it's some of the, the guilt, and whether it can be guilt, maybe it's survivor's guilt. Um, there are people who maybe have moved on in life. Maybe it's an ex-spouse. Maybe someone has moved away. Maybe someone has passed away. And there was unresolved conflict in a situation before that happened, and you're living in this world where it's unresolvable. And so someone's passed away and you're, the conflict that you have with that person never got resolved. And so you have maybe some guilt that you're carrying in that. And, um, and so I wanted to take a moment here. We're going to close in a moment to just pray for you that God would help you to resolve that. Obviously, you can't have a conversation with some of those people. Someone asked Diane to come forward this morning and and she's going to play. And, and I just wanted to, to pray over a few of those things as we close. And so I want you to stand with me this morning. Conflict is inevitable in relationships. Conflict is inevitable in your home life. But I think all of us can agree, when it comes to your home life, you want more peace than you want conflict. And so what can we do? What can I do as a spouse, as a, as a parent, as a son, or as a daughter? What can I do on, on my end? And so... I'm going to ask those questions I just asked as we, we close. And really what I want to do is I just want to be praying for you as your pastor. And ask those questions. So if you'd bow your head as we talk about issues that need to be resolved. Bow your head. No one's looking around. This is some sensitive feelings and thoughts that you may be wrestling with and struggling with. And I just want to pray for you as your pastor. First question is this. Do you need to apologize to anyone? Maybe you did something, you said something, you behaved in a way that you know you shouldn't have done, but you truly need to. If your relationship is going to get better, you know it's going to take you going out of your way to apologize to that person. So no one's looking around, everyone's heads are bowed. Is there anyone in here who would say, I need to apologize to someone? And if that's you, I just want to be praying for you this week that God would give you the grace to do that in the words, okay? All right, some hands. You can, okay, you can put your hands down. Some of you are in here. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. You're carrying this unforgiveness in you and it's really hurting other relationships. Let's just be honest and vulnerable. No one's looking around. Put your... Put your heads down, eyes are closed. People are going through things.
Is there anyone in here who would just lift their hand and say, I need to forgive someone who hurt me? Is there anyone who would lift their hand? Okay. All right, lots of you. Okay. You can put your hand down. Last question is some of the unresolved conflict that you feel like can never be resolved. That person is out of your life now. They've even moved away and it's an ex-spouse, someone who's not around here anymore. Maybe it's someone who's passed away and you, man, you just, you feel that guilt because the conflict was never resolved. Once again, everyone's head bowed, everyone's eyes closed. Is there anyone who would say, I'm struggling with that? I wasn't able to forgive that person. I wasn't able, okay. Yeah, okay. Let's take a moment to pray for one another. Lord, uh, most of us in this room really don't like conflict and we try to avoid it at all costs. But there are times where when conflict comes up, God, we know we must deal with it. And whether it's an apology that we need to make, whether it's forgiveness that we need to extend, God, as some of us find ourselves here, there's that unresolved conflict that we feel like we can never get rid of. But God, I just pray that you would be with us in our hearts today to know, God, on our end, whatever's possible for us to do so that we can live at peace with what's happened. And I pray for those that may be carrying that guilt, that God, you would help them to understand what they need to understand. You would give them wisdom for what they need to know. You give them discernment of the thoughts that they may have and the guilt that they may carry. And part of that isn't guilt that they should feel. It's guilt from the enemy to make them feel like they were in the wrong or they did the wrong thing or they didn't care. Whatever it is, God, that they may be feeling, I pray that you would help them to work through that, those thoughts. And God, for all of us, as we face conflict, we know it's going to happen. Pray that you would help us to, to forgive people, to apologize when we need to. And for those in here that are just struggling in that area right now, I pray that you would give us the right timing, help us to have the right tone, help us to trust you, Help us, God, to get to the truth and whatever's happening, God, because conflict is messy, it's complicated, it has so many negative undertones to it. God, help us as believers to handle it in a healthy way that it can actually be something that, that repairs a relationship. God, I pray for relationships that are broken through conflict through the people of this church. I pray that you would restore those relationships. I pray that you would repair those relationships sons and daughters, moms and dads, husbands and wives, kids, with the, whoever it is, God, you would restore those relationships to be healthy, to be whole as we move forward, God. God, we know home life and family life is so important and that you want us to experience peace in our homes. And so, God, I just pray for every family represented here, those that may watch later, God, I pray for the peace of the Lord to be in our homes. That we would, whenever there's conflict, we would find ways to work toward it 
Even though it may not be in the time frame of the other person, God, our hope and our desire would be to, to resolve that conflict or to find ways to manage that as we move forward. But whatever way that we need to do it, that there would be peace in our, in our home, peace in our families, in our marriages, with our kids, with our in-laws, with our extended family, God. Help us to live in peace with them. God, as we we leave this place, not only do you want us to experience peace, but you want our family, you want our coworkers, you want those that we do life with to experience that as well. So help us to be people of hope, people of peace and joy, that it overflows onto other people, that we can give advice and wisdom and discernment to other people through our life experience in these areas. Thank you for giving us family. Thank you for giving us the homes that you've given us, the people that you've placed in our lives. Help us to love them well and to manage conflict in the best ways, honoring you when we do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.